everybody. Welcome to episode 59 of Crack Wrestling's Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirakatani. I'm Andy Hamilton, coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined on the phone by the head honcho of the Track Wrestling Rankings, David Mirakatani. How's it going, David? Head honcho is a good term after the headache that we had this week. Um dealing with all the Cliff Keen results. Uh, it's going good. It was a great weekend of wrestling, but there were def- definitely some non-predictable results that happened along the way. Yeah, lots of crazy stuff happening out in Vegas. Uh, no number one seeds won the tournament 125 through 165. Saw some serious movers in the track wrestling rankings some freshmen making some big climbs we've got some high school stuff to talk about maybe mix in a little college football talk and how that <laughs> relates to for sure college wrestling rankings <laughs> so david where do you want to kick this thing off uh I, you know you want to start with the weight classes or you want to talk about our friends at resolite or where do you want to start well, we can do that. We can dive right into our sponsorship from Resolite, and we are going to get into the track wrestling rankings presented by Resolite. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive Digiprint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, as we look at the rankings, you mentioned that they were quite a, there's quite a bit to unpack, quite a bit to untangle from Las Vegas. Seems like it's always this way. Uh, the first week of December after we come off Vegas. And uh, certainly the first mile post of the season where we really uh, learn who's who and what's what. And, uh, man, there was a lot to digest out of the rankings. Just first of all, starting with, uh, before we get into the team rankings and what moved around, what, what were the biggest takeaways for you from the Cliff Keen Invitational out in Vegas? Um, I think we've talked about this last year, but I really, really value tournament performance over dual meet performance. I think the mindset for an athlete is way different. Um, I think, you know, guys that cut a lot of weight, they tend to do better in tournaments because, you know, they don't wrestle right away, especially, you know, really later. And then I also think guys that can grind and get through the backside and, you know, things like that. And, you know, a dual meet is win or lose. You know, you go back, you watch film, and tomorrow's a new day. Tournament, you know, if you're a high seed and you get upset, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to pack up your tent or are you going to go out and get wins? And so I will tell you that as we go through the rankings, every single time we gave the benefit of the doubt to the guys that performed well in the tournament. I, and I, and I, feel, I feel good with that. I feel like that's how it should be. Let's take a look at the track wrestling team rankings presented by Resolite. Uh, Ohio State, still number one, still creating a little distance between itself and Penn State. The Buckeyes 
are up to 129 and a half projected team points. So Penn State number two at 113. Oklahoma State remains three at 78. Missouri jumps up to number four with 63 points. Michigan slides down a notch to number five at 60. Lehigh up to number six at 51 points after a narrow defeat against Penn State. North Carolina State right on the heels of Lehigh in seventh with 50 and a half. Arizona State drops to eighth at 45. Rutgers in ninth at 44 and a half. Iowa in tenth at 44. David, do you want to take a dive through these rankings individually now, or is there anything you want to touch upon team-wise? Um, it's always interesting. Like, we just do the math, and I never um... – this was a really hard week, so I was really tired by the time we added up the team scores, and I was surprised that Ohio State uh, is that far ahead of Penn State. But it's uh, and, and it's interesting. I mean, I knew Michigan had, uh, you know, with Misik and uh, Massa not wrestling well, uh, but Pantaleo wrestling better, I knew they'd lose some points, but I was sort of surprised to see they fell to fifth. Um, and, you know, I saw, I had Jaden Cox on the show last week, and I continue to be impressed by Brian Smith and the consistency of the Missouri program. You know, that's uh, I've just seen that program for a long time, and for them to be consistent top five or six is, is really, really uh, an awesome change for them and something that they've kind of made the norm now. So that's, that's impressive to me as well. well. Let's take a look at it. 125 pounds. Uh, you had a tough call there on where to put Taylor Lamont coming off Cliff Keen, a title out there, some really impressive wins for him out there. Uh, he checks in at number seven this week, and you've got Tomasello at number one, still Suriano at two, Lezak remains three, Piccinini four, Darian Cruz five, Sean Fawes six, Taylor Lamont seven, Ronnie Bresser eight. And we mentioned the guys who make double-digit gains in here. Jay Schwarm of Northern Iowa leaps up from number 21 up to 11. David, how did you get to this point with Taylor Lamont at 7, and, and what went into that decision? Um, first of all, I think it's the only weight of the 10 where the guys are not ranked directly correspondent to how they placed at Cliff Keen. I think the only other one is 41 and we'll talk about that when we get there. The, the tricky thing about this was I feel like Tomasello and Suriano are clearly one, two. Um, Lezak has beat Piccinini. Piccinini has beat Cruz. So, and those guys all feel like they're a whisker apart. So really the question was, do you put Taylor Lamont above Lezak? And if you do that, you have to put Sean Fawz above Taylor Lamont because he beat him head to head. So the, really the question was like body of work you know, who's number three, Lezak or Sean Fawz? And, you know, Lezak's a finalist, Piccinini's fourth, Cruz is first. Uh, maybe you're not supposed to give credit for the year before, but but I did. And so those guys are sort of like a bundle of three, and then Fawz and Lamont slid in right behind them. So that that was the criteria. It's it's And Taylor Lamont has lost to Fawz, and he did lose to Louis Hayes earlier in the year, too. So, you know, Pitch, or Lezak's got one loss, and it was to Lamont. So I think sort of body of work. And this kind of goes to that college football discussion we talked about. Uh, you and I have talked about privately, but just it's tough when you're trying to compare great wins versus bad losses. 
Moving ahead to 133 pounds, uh, remains Seth Gross, number one, Scotty Parker, number two, Cade Brock, three. Luke Pletcher makes a big move from eight to four. We talk about how did Ohio State gain ground this week. There it is right there. Luke Pletcher going from eighth up to fourth. Uh, the big mover here, Josh Terrell. In the top eight, going from 15 all the way up to five. Jack Mueller at six. John Ernesty at seven. Mitch McKee drops a couple notches to eight. Then another guy that moved uh, quite a bit in the rankings, Austin DeSanto, true freshman from Drexel, goes from 21 up to nine after putting it on Stephen Michich, 22-10 major in Vegas. Michich falls from two to ten. David, it just doesn't seem like uh, Michich is completely wired in at this point. Uh, you know, I, th I thought the All-Star Classic match with, with him and Seth Gross was going to be a lot more competitive than it was. Uh, something looks a little unplugged there. I certainly think he's a guy that is capable and probably will finish uh, in that top eight and potentially pretty high in that top eight. Yeah. Uh, but, but – you know, certainly some issues to, to get through right now, some things that are holding him back that, that he'll have to get figured out. What stuck out to you at 133 pounds as you try to put these guys in order, as you, you unpack Vegas? Yeah. Um, at the bottom, Zach Sherman, a guy who wasn't on my radar, you know, he meddled, and so he got himself into the rankings. Ali Nazer had three good wins, so he popped into the rankings. But then, really, the top ten is kind of – you know, so like you said, Misik, he doesn't really have any great wins. He was really ranked high because of what he did last year, and he deserves to be. But not only did he lose, but, you know, it wasn't like it was close against DeSanto. It wasn't like it was a one-bad-call match or something like that. So DeSanto clearly has to be above him, even though he had some really sort of puzzling losses earlier in the year to Tudelo and Cephalo, but I think he's just wrestling better right now. Um Pletcher was a guy that you called the ball a couple of weeks ago on that and said, look, for Ohio State, you know, we talked about where, there's, where can they gain ground, and he was the guy, and he's, he did that. Um, you know, Terrell was pretty simple to put in there. I don't think he really had much of any losses besides Pletcher. And, you know, Jack Mueller was third. Ernesty's undefeated. He hasn't really had a, a super hard schedule yet, but, uh, you know, it was kind of a call to put him over Mitch McKee, who's lost a couple matches. And I would say this about Stephen or Stephen Misik or however we say his name. He's probably the most dangerous 10th ranked guy. I mean, I'd have to look at the other nine weights, but if somebody had to pick a, just a number 10 guy, I, I, I like him. I just don't think he's wrestling. Clearly he's not wrestling great as he can right now. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that's an interesting, you know, he's got a lot of upside. And then, you know, this we'll, we'll talk about it, but I think Drexel wrestles Lehigh this weekend. So DeSanto, Scotty Parker, you know, if DeSanto were to beat Scotty Parker, it would just be complete mayhem in the rankings. You know, so, I mean, I don't know what we would do because you, then you really, I, mean, I don't know if you can move him all the way to two, but Parker beat Brock, you know, it gets real, it probably gets hectic. Probably Pletcher would go up to two, I would think. So. Looking at 141 pounds, David, top two remain the same. Yanni Diakmahalis, true freshman from Cornell, making a move from 13 up to three after winning Vegas in impressive fashion. 
owns a victory over Bryce Meredith. Meredith falls from three to four. Jaden Ironman at five. Joey McKenna up to six. Anthony Ashnault still sidelined for Rutgers at seven. Josh Albert of Northern Iowa makes a move from 14 up to eight after a runner-up performance out in Vegas. Uh, then the big movers here as well. I mentioned Yanni making the move from 13 to three, but Nick Zanetta going from 25 up to 11. Anything else that uh, really caught your attention at 141 pounds on the weekend? No, no. I mean, I think we all thought Yanni it was a top eight guy. Um, you know, we I ranked Meredith above Albert, even though Meredith took third and Albert took second. They both lost to the same guy. Meredith lost really close. He's actually really wrestling well this year. Last year, he was a kind of a guy. The last two years, he's been a guy that took some puzzling losses and then turned it on in March. This year, he's been really consistent, which I think just speaks to how good Yanni is. Uh, and then uh, I did think it was interesting. Luke Karam beat Cortez, and that was that was we had Karam ranked, and I don't think anybody else did. And he's a guy, I think I talked to you a week or two ago, just kind of looking at his body of work. I'm like, this kid's probably better than where we have him ranked. He had a chance to prove it, and he did. And I think that also really probably, you know, maybe lead to some speculation that Penn State will pull Nick Lee because they they can't, I, I shouldn't say they can't because they theoretically could, but it's awfully hard to think they're not going to get more than five points from the first three weight classes and beat a team like Ohio State who's awfully, awfully balanced right now. Yeah, it reminds me in a lot of ways right now of 2001, where Iowa had uh, Jody Stripmatter, who's ranked second, uh, Eric Jurgens, returning national champ at 33, Doug Schwab, NCAA champ at 41, Mike Zadick at 49, T.J. Williams, two-time NCAA champ uh, at 57, and then – you know, some holes in the back end of the lineup, and Minnesota was rock solid at 10 weights. Minnesota certainly didn't have a Kyle Snyder or <laughs> Nathan Tomasello or Miles Martin. No finalists on that team, and, and they uh, still pushed it up close to 140 points with no finalists. And, of course, 10 All-Americans, the only time that that's ever been done. I think Ohio State's got a shot at Putting 10 on the stand, I don't know that it's going to happen. But, uh, you know, there haven't been too many teams. I mean, I guess you could look at Oklahoma State a year ago as, as another team that uh, certainly had an opportunity to do that. But uh, Yeah, they had all man. guys seated in the top nine, so it was really possible, yeah. Yep, yep. So uh, I'm with you. I think Penn State's going to have to come up with more out of those first three weights, and whether it's, it's Corey Keener stepping up and finding a way to crack – into that top eight or, you know, dipping into the bank of red shirts. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're certainly not going to, not going to score many more points than we're giving them credit for Granted, there's going to be the bonus point factor in there. Yeah. But, sure. but, but placement wise, you know, they're not going any higher at 49, 57, 65 or 84 than what we have them right now. And you, you can't expect that uh, Neville's, is is gonna, you know, gain a whole lot of ground. He's at three at heavyweight, you know, with Snyder and Kuhn looming above him. So and Mark Hall can only move up one spot. Yep, yep. So uh, 
there's not a ton of more ground to gain outside of bonus points for Penn State. So, And we'll get to it, but those Penn State studs, a couple of them had really close matches this weekend. You know, yep. where, where they, you know, you would like, well, maybe they would bonus those guys. That didn't happen this weekend. So, it, it, you know, I think we were the guys that had Ohio State ranked first. I'm not saying we're right. We're obviously a, a million miles away from March, but it does feel like they've got an awfully good team. And, you know, they kind of snuck up on some people, you know. I think the other thing, and it has nothing to do with anything realistically, but it's hard when we watched Penn State in the finals last year just reel off not only five titles, but five in a row, it's kind of hard to picture any team can do that two years in a row. It just, it's like flipping a coin that's going to land down heads or tails ten times in a row. It just doesn't feel like that's going to happen again. Well, you know, it took nothing away from Penn State last year. Obviously a historic performance in the NCAA championships, uh, but, but we've kind of laid this out before. You know, Vincenzo Joseph had tough matches in the quarters and semis. Had to come from behind in the final minute uh, to beat Daniel Lewis in the quarters. You know, Mark Hall, uh, Bo Jordan was kind of a match that, that, you know, call here goes differently. Same with with the semifinals against uh, Zahid with the headgear grab. Uh, You know, so there there were some things that that fell into place for Penn State, but they certainly – you know, I don't, I, like again, I don't want to want this to be misinterpreted as taking anything away from Penn State, but uh, you know, law of percentages, as you put it, you know, are they going to be able to win? You know, those coin flips are they going to keep coming up heads time and time and time again <laughs> yeah. in those situations? So it's, it's like poker. It's like ace king against a pair. Like you know, you can't. It's hard to get hot ten times in a row and get be on the right side of it. So doesn't mean they can't. It just means you saw it happen once, and it's really hard to believe it's going to happen to the same singlets twice. You know, they've got some guys that feel like mortal locks at 49 and 57 and really 84 to a certain extent, but just Ohio State just like, I don't know who the worst guy on their team is. I'd have to think about it, but whoever it is is pretty dang good, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's ways of comparing it. If you start at the top and you compare Penn State's top scorer to Ohio State's top scorer, like maybe Zane outscores Snyder, and then maybe Nolf outscores Tomasello, and then maybe Nickel outscores Colin Moore. You know, when you kind of compare their ones to their ones. But And so maybe Penn State's really ahead, like in the first maybe five or six, but there's a dramatic drop-off at seven through ten from Penn State versus Ohio State, especially, especially eight, nine, and ten. Especially eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, well, as we look at it here, I mean, you're talking uh, twenty, thirty-two and a half, um, forty-one, forty-one and a half points at the first three weights for Penn State or for Ohio State, excuse me, and uh, Penn State no points at twenty-five. Um, looking at Keener, you got he's at eighteenth. That's a point, and uh, one forty-one with. With Cortez, that's a point. So it's what what forty one and a half to two, the first three weights, you know. So and if you're a Penn State fan, you go, well, McKenna's hurt, and Tomasello's hurt, and you guys got those guys with twenty nine points, and who's to say they're going to be healthy and that good? And that's a huge, that's a very valid point. You know, I mean, McKenna hasn't placed at nationals the last couple of years, you know, but doesn't mean he won't, you know. So and Tomasello is hurt, but that guy 
he shows up at nationals. So it's just it's a really really interesting soap opera to watch this year. I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you're talking McKenna, a guy that uh, you know what what is he like fifty eight and six. And in, in his two college was he something like fifty eight and six in his first two college seasons at at Stanford somewhere along those lines, uh, and yeah. certainly looked you know it didn't happen for him last year at the NCAA championships but boy he looked impressive over in Poland and yeah uh, man what a huge get for Stanford to land him and and plug him right in at forty one and then you move Keyshawn up to forty nine. We need to move on to 149 pounds, speaking to Keyshawn. And that weight class still have – you still have Zane Rutherford at number one, Brandon Sorensen at number two. That's a brave ranking, Zane won. Yeah. <laughs> really going out on a limb there, David. Justin Oliver of Central Michigan making the climb from nine up to three after winning the tournament out in Vegas. Troy Heilman of North Carolina. Man, he's probably been one of the big surprises this year. I don't know how many people knew about Troy Heilman or were talking about Troy Heilman five weeks ago, but there he is sitting at number four. Keyshawn Hayes at five, Max Thompson at six, Matthew Kaladzic at seven, Gio Martinez at number eight. Nobody making gigantic moves at 149 pounds, uh, but certainly Vegas, the the, the uh, – Bracket here was pretty intriguing. It, the bracket sorted itself, the rankings out pretty easily, right? Zane and Sorensen stay one and two. Oliver wins the tournament. He goes to three. He beats Heilman. That's four. Heilman uh, beat Max Thompson and took second, so or he's four. Keyshawn took third and beat Max Thompson, so he's five. Thompson goes to six. Thompson beat Kalasnik in the all-star meet. He's at seven. And then Gio's eight, and Gio actually lost to Bulu Wallen again this weekend at the Bob Smith tournament. So it'll be interesting to see who's wearing the black and orange come January. Um, but if Boo were in the rankings, I don't think he would be much different than where Gio is. I mean, those are two really good guys. You know, so, uh, you know, and then, you know, the next four guys are really talented guys. You know, Deacon, Maruka, McChrystal, Chisco are, are guys that, could have a lot to say by the end of the year. Moving ahead to 157, David, one, two, three, remain the same. Nolf, LaValle, Kemmerer, Richie Lewis climbing up a couple spots to number four. He's going to get Michael Kemmerer this weekend. Really fascinating matchup there. B.J. Claggen at five, Alec Pantaleo making the move from 15 up to six. Saw him go through a little bit of slide in November, bounces back in a big way, wins the tournament out in Vegas with some really impressive victories along the way, including one over Micah Jordan, who's at seven now, Josh Shields at eight, Tyler Berger falls from four down to nine. Uh, Archie Colgan makes the climb from 22 up to 11. Thoughts on 157, David? I think we talked about last week that Richie Lewis felt like a top four guy. So when all this happened, it, it justified being able to put him at four. To me, it's a kind of a light schedule this weekend. The one match that I want to see is Kemmer Lewis. I think that's the best mat- individual one-on-one match of the weekend. Uh, Clagan beat Pantaleo earlier in the year, so that – kind of made it relatively simple for him to be there. Then Pantaleo beat Jordan. Jordan avenged his loss to Shields. Um, Shields beat Berger. 
you know, than Colgan and, and Coleman Hammond had really good tournaments. Uh, Coleman Hammond's a guy that actually was unranked and moved up to 12. I missed that when we were talking about it at the beginning. But two guys have moved up pretty dramatically. And then you had some guys like Clayton Ream and uh, Paul Fox and some guys, or Clayton Ream rather, that DNP'd, so they, they fell. But it the Big Ten feels like it's just going to be stupid good at this weight class. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six of the top nine guys. And I'm sure it's that way in a lot of weights, but it feels, I guess it just feels super heavy there. You know, the six six of the top nine is kind of insane. Yeah, how about uh, if you're looking at it based on our rankings right now, you've got a Lewis Berger Big Ten quarter. So everything stays the same. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Wow. No wow. doubt. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I think the match – and, you know, it almost doesn't matter how those – if it's – right, if there's six guys, I mean, three versus six, four versus five, and the winners against one and two are going to be insane. So, yeah, no matter how it shakes out, there's going to be really good matches there. And then you got Jake Short hanging around at 23, and Jake Short likes to do Jake Short things. So, you know. Jake Short's about to pull off a couple big wins, That's right? what I'm saying. That's what the forecast says. Yeah. So – uh, turn of the page to 165, David. Vincenzo Joseph remains one. Isaiah Martinez, two. David McFadden making a one-notch move up to number three after winning the tournament in Vegas. The big mover here at 165, Evan Wick going from 18 all the way up to four. The true freshman – or, excuse me, the redshirt freshman from Wisconsin pulled off a win out in Vegas over Logan Massa. Massa falls from – Three down to five. Chandler Rogers checks in at six. Chad Walsh at seven. Isaiah White at eight. Tishon Campbell at nine. Chance Marsteller at ten. David Evan Wick, had a heck of a freshman season last year. That to me, out of all the the matches that occurred in Vegas, uh, you know, I certainly thought that Evan Wick had potential to crack into the top eight. At some point this season, I didn't expect that it would be uh, the first weekend of December by handling Logan Massa. That was probably one of the biggest eye-openers of Vegas for me. How about yourself? I agree completely, and the two ones that shocked me were Massa and Misik, and Michigan's on the wrong end of both of them, you know. But we didn't – it was a tough decision. Massa didn't wrestle in the back, so I just dropped him below Evan Wick. I mean – I couldn't see dropping him all the way down below John J. Chavez, who took eighth. It just it just doesn't feel right. When you look at Massa's wins, you know, he never lost to, oh, gosh, Jordan from uh, Wisconsin, you know, Isaac, you know, last yep. year. And, uh, you know, has beaten some really good kids over the last year and a half. I think he sort of gets a mulligan. And, and we rewarded Evan Wick. It wasn't like, well, you know – He's a bum. I mean, he won the tournament and beat some good guys, or took second, rather, made the finals, beat some good guys. I think David McFadden's really underrated. You know, he was, you know, redshirted last year. People forgot about him. He he beat Isaiah White in a match when they were seniors, and kind of White did all the offense, and McFadden found a way to win. I think he's just an underrated guy uh, who just finds ways to win. You know, so those two things you know, those were interesting to me. And then, you know, Isaiah White's working his way up in the rankings. Marsteller moved up another spot. 
Valencia is down, you know, for the, you know, Anthony Valencia might be the most dangerous 13 guy in the country, you know, and Ashworth didn't have a great tournament. He's an All-American, you know, so, or not Ashworth, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of 74, sorry, Womack, so we'll wait till we get there. But yeah, um, yeah, just a lot of movement here, and, and congratulations to McFadden on winning a really tough bracket. 174 pounds, David, Zahid Valencia, uh, the number one, remains number one, uh, the first guy in Vegas that was a one seed to win the tournament, uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark Hall at number two, Bo Jordan at number three, Daniel Lewis, up, or he's at number four, Miles Amin making a three-notch climb, back up to five, Taylor Lujan at six, Jordan Cutler at seven, Jaden Bernstein at eight, followed by Keaton Subject at nine, Juante Mejias at ten, and Dylan Lighty of Purdue going from outside the rankings up to number eleven. David, one hundred seventy-four was a lot of fun out in Vegas. It was in at least like some sort of sanity. Uh, you know, Zahid had a good match uh, in the. Yeah, I guess Luhan got the first takedown, and then Zahid won, and then I guess Bo had him on the ropes a little bit in the finals. But Zahid's had as good as first month schedule of anybody in the country, especially for a guy who's undefeated. I'm sure he has the best body of work for an undefeated guy right now. Yeah, it's incredible, right? Yeah. I mean, victories over Mark Hall, Bo Jordan twice, uh, Miles Amin, Taylor Luhan. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a season for most guys. You know, and, and, and he hasn't had Christmas turkey yet. So, you know, I also thought the Mark Hall-Jordan Cutler match was interesting. You know, I mean, Hall won, so that's not surprising. But I guess you almost become numb to it. Like, I'm so used to those guys all bonusing that when it doesn't happen, it almost shocks me. So um, that was that, that was just something to take notice of, I guess, you know, um, and I and Lehigh is one of these teams. If they had a national duels, I, I don't think anybody's talking about it. But I think they'd be right in the mix. I mean, now Penn State didn't have Vincenzo, and they didn't have Corey Keener. Um, but I think, you know, Scotty Parker, he he would have won either way. At least on paper, he might not have gotten bonus. But you know, uh, I mean, they had a chance to win that I meet. Mean, they won because Nick Nevels can really ride. But otherwise. Lehigh would have won the meet. So, you know, they kept it close in some weights. And I think that's another argument if you're looking, if you're on the, the Ohio State bandwagon, like, look, Penn State isn't bonusing quite at the rate they have been at, at some of these weights the last year or two. Looking ahead to 184 pounds, the top five all remain the same. Bo Nickel, number one, Miles Martin, number two, Pete Renda, number three, Ryan Preish, Preish uh, of Lehigh, number four, Dominic Abinader of Michigan, Taylor Vence of Nebraska, the freshman, making the move from 22 up to 16, followed by Nick Ravina of Rutgers, Zach Zabatsky of Virginia Tech. Vence, David, incredible. Yeah, that's quite a move. Twenty-two to six is gigantic, right? And he beat really good guys. He beat Ellingwood. He beat Foster. He beat Zat Zavatsky. He pinned a couple of those guys, but he just beat Zavatsky like you know without any pinpoints or without a fall. So I mean, he looks ridiculously strong, and 
you know, just kind of old-fashioned cross-face cradle kind of guy. But uh, that's this is a weight where we talked about where there wasn't a ton of depth in terms of re, in terms, excuse me, of returning all Americans, right? You know, we had talked about Nickel being back, Martin being back, Renda being back off a red shirt, and then I don't know if there's another returning. You know, Abinader was around a 12 guys, Vatsky, you know was around a 12 guy. Ricky Robertson was up at 97, but there wasn't a ton of medals coming back here. And you kind of felt like this weight, it looked at the beginning of the year, like it was going to be Max Dean and it might very well still be Max Dean. But right now it looks like some freshmen, you know, could sneak in there. And, and right now Venz is the guy and um, Nebraska has got a really kind of sneaky, good young team. I mean, they may not make a ton of waves this year, but they can keep all those guys healthy. They feel like in a couple of years, they'll be awfully, awfully good. Flipping ahead to 197 pounds, David. Pretty not a lot of movement there. Yeah. Uh, Colin Moore at number one. Willie Miklas at two. Jared Hot three. Preston Weagle at four. Cash Wilkie at five. Mike Machiavellio at six. Jacob Smith at seven. Nathan Rodert at eight. Uh, the big move here, Jared Kasunik of American going from 24 up to 10. Not a lot happened here. <laughs> Kasuna uh, obviously so, makes the big move. To, to kind of share with people, like I looked at the doing the rankings on Sunday night and 25 was such a mess. I literally just went out with my friend and watched the football game and did some other work. And when I started on these on Monday, I started at heavyweight at 97 because they, they had a lot less movement. And it was sort of like get some positive momentum and then call you and make sure I didn't miss anything. But, yeah, this weight was really pretty calm. Kasunik had a good tournament. Uh, Jacob Seeley from Northern Colorado got himself into the rankings. That was kind of it. Well, let's turn the page to heavyweights. Uh, Snyder, number one. Kuhn, number two. Nevels, three. Tanner Hall, four. Desi, five. Casper, six. Amida, seven. Mike Hughes, eight. Nathan Butler, nine. Billy Miller, ten. There's Derek White. All the way up to 11. We talk about Oklahoma State. Uh, seems every year you start to wonder, like, well, what are they going to get a heavyweight? And then all of a sudden somebody moves up from 97, and, you know, they're right there. They're really competitive. You mentioned Jordan Wood, Nick Nevels. Wood checking in at 12 after the 2-0 loss to Nevels with the duel on the line there. Sean Streck of Purdue up to number 15 from number 22. And Sam Stoll sitting there at 18, David, and we'll talk about Iowa, Illinois in a second. Heck, you can start about start with it right now if you want. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about at heavyweight besides <laughs> no, that, the Hawkeyes no. and fighting Illini? Well, we have a friend of ours that loves Iowa, and I was teasing him, texting him with two matches to go. I'm like, Iowa's going to lose. And I mean, I think most people know Iowa was down eight and, you know, they get a win, they're down five and you just kind of think the heavyweight's going to just be smart. And you just, you know, I'm not trying to pick on a 21 year old kid, but you just can't throw yourself to your back against a guy who's got, whose A is big and his B is, you know, Stoll's not a big leg attacker. He's a, you know, he's a good position guy and he pummels real well and he's got a good Greco background. And like, I think that kid just thought it was like high school rules like well I'm out so we're out and you know um, I know some people were wondering you know I, I, I'm sure you saw the clip of it 
I don't know if the, if the brand should be in any trouble. I think one of them actually touched the referee while he was trying to call the fall. So I think somebody was trying to get a team point out of that, and it'd be a tie. But even if that was the case, Iowa would still win on the most six-point decisions. So, um, yeah. And and Stoll will have a really good test this weekend, assuming they wrestle against Amita. If he wins that match, he moves way up. You know, you mean at least – I don't know we'd move him all the way up, but at least he'd jump up considerably um, for having a top seven win. And Mike Hughes is a guy from Hofstra who uh, who got into the top eight, and that's good for them. You know, they get those extra points. But, I mean, what were you what were you thinking? I mean, you followed Iowa for years. What were you thinking and that it looked like a very real possibility they could lose to Illinois? What was I thinking? I was sound asleep, David. I <laughs> got back from Poland. I was oh, that's dead right. tired. That's dead right. tired from the Poland trip. A day later, I was up all hours of the night watching the Women's World Cup. Um, so Friday morning, I was up till like 7 a.m. I was up all night. I went to uh, Cedar Falls High School, uh, opened the season. They had their first uh, home triangular of the season. Went and watched that Thursday night, came home, stayed up all night watching the Women's World Cup. It was about 7 a.m. by 7, 7.30 in the morning. By the time I got done writing my story, my girlfriend and her kids were getting ready to leave for school, and I was going to bed. I got up about two hours later to watch uh, the United States wrestle Japan, and I was up the rest of the day, and at 5 o'clock, rolled around. I was like, I need to lay down and get some sleep. and. Yeah. For sure. And uh, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning, and first thing I saw on my phone was a text from you saying that uh, Iowa, was, Iowa is in trouble against Illinois. And by that time, I, I – uh, It came and went. Checked, the trouble had yeah, passed. Yeah. yeah. I, I checked my email and saw the res- result and how it ended, and, uh, yeah, then saw the clip, and – Holy smokes! There's there's a lot going on in that last uh, sequence. You had the that's a nice the way throw. of saying it. Yeah, Terry, Terry Brands almost out on the mat. You had Tom Brands pulling Terry Brands back. You had the fall. You had Terry Brands hurtling the scorers table. It's uh, there's never a dull moment in Carver Hawkeye. That's for sure. It it's like that that Carver magic for sure, right? It's just yeah, it was crazy. So, so, yeah, it was uh, – that had been a huge win for Illinois. I mean, I think that's kind of the sad thing, you know, for them. I mean, it's good for Iowa. Obviously, they pulled it out. But, um, yeah, it just feels like there was something there that could have happened. So, anyway. Yep, and uh, certainly there are going to be some duels like that where it's going to be a little rough for Iowa until they get the lineup fully together. And Tom Brands has even said so. I mean, he said that on media day that, uh, you know, Basically, they're going to have a, you know, a totally different look uh, second semester than what they have. And I, I think what he's alluding to is, uh, you know, nobody down there has really talked a whole lot about Pat Downey yet. Uh, but uh, sounds like he's on course uh, to join the team at semester break. And then certainly sure seems like Spencer Lee, they're leaning in that direction where if everything remains on track there, that uh, he'll be their 125-pounder. Uh, my guess is we'll see him here in, if it's not this weekend, we'll see him uh, in a couple weeks at Midlands. And then uh, I would be surprised if uh, we don't see him in the Iowa lineup when Oklahoma State is up in Iowa City 
uh, at the start of the second semester. So it would be insane if they broke him out this weekend against Soriano. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think I agree with you. I, agree with I you. think there's a better chance that that we see him down the street from my house in the Uni Dome if you and I open than yeah. than uh, out in uh, New Jersey against Soriano. But we shall see. We're going to find out soon enough. So, David, this is going to wrap up the rankings portion of our podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system, to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint Mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David, we mentioned some big duels coming up. Uh Pretty light schedule this week in terms of top flight individual matchups. We talk about Kemmerer and Lewis, uh, certainly Scott Parker against Austin DeSanto is another one to watch. And then Princeton, Virginia Tech, you've got Matthew Kaladzic against Solomon Chisco at 149 pounds. Man, Lewis and Kemmerer, I don't know about you, David, but that's – that's at the top of my that's juicy to watch list. <laughs> yeah, that is juicy. And you know, like I was talking to somebody about this, they're like, Well, can Richie Lewis beat Kemmer, right? I mean it's a fair question, right? However you want to look at it. And you know, I just said to the guy, I go, I don't know, but let me ask you this. Do you think Michael Kemmer could have just won the under twenty three worlds? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, Well if you're not if you're not sure, then that means Richie Lewis can probably wrestle with Michael Kemmer. I know it's a different style. But, I mean, it's not Greco. They still touch legs, you know, so it's it's a lot more similar. And I think, you know, you are around Richie Lewis. I think that kid just believes in himself. And that's half of what it takes to beat the Kemmers of the world, to beat the Jason Nolfs of the world. And I'm not saying he will, but I'm saying he won't if he doesn't believe in himself, and it sure seems like he does. Yeah, absolutely. And you could see him gaining more and more confidence with every match over in Poland and – you know, certainly you mentioned all the guys in that weight class, but, but he just won a bracket where uh, a guy that finished third at Russian, Russian Nationals didn't make it out of the first round. And so <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think he's going to be afraid of anybody. I, I think, you know, and we said this, you know, a week or two ago, like, like he's a different animal now. He, he believes in himself. Uh, the mind is a powerful, powerful thing, both good and bad. You know, it can get in your way sometimes, and it can become an ally other times. I think he's taken it from one end of the spectrum to the other, or he's figured out a way to, to just, you know, kind of kind of get out of his own way in terms of not letting the nerves and anxiety get to him. Right. And now wrestling free and easy, and, and you make the analogy that, you know, from freestyle to, to folk style, and, you know, yeah, they're not, you know, they're grabbing legs still. He wasn't scoring a lot of points, uh, a lot of freestyle-only points. He wasn't scoring a ton of exposure points over there. He wasn't, you know, scoring on uh, chest wraps or push-outs. Or, you know, there were a few push-outs in there. but uh, It wasn't leg-lacing people to death, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, there weren't a lot of gut wrenches. It was, it was pretty much get to the legs and finish and score. So, 
I'm I'm intrigued to see where this season leads for for Richie Lewis, but but I do think that uh, you have to put him in the conversation with the upper echelon at 157 now. Well, I agree, and I don't think this will happen. You would know better than me. It seems like Iowa always starts their dual meets at 25, but it would sure be cool because that dual meet it sure feels like it could go five and four, and it would be really cool if that was the tenth match. And that decided the dual meet. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I anticipate they'll probably start at 25. That would be my guess. But, uh, yeah, I've been fooled before, so. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I, I hope I hope we're fooled. I hope that's what they do. I don't think they will, but it would be cool if they did. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see where Austin DeSanto, how, how Austin DeSanto, Richie, or excuse me, Scotty Parker, how that plays out. You know what's interesting is Scotty Parker really wrestled slowly against Penn State, against the backup. It was like 0-0, and then he just caught him and pinned him. And DeSanto reminds me of that guy like that you grew up with that even when he was no good, you just couldn't get rid of him. You know, like he's an, he's an ankle biter, and I mean that as a positive. Like he's just a guy that just keeps going and going and going. And, you know, you could be down 14 – or he could be down 14 points – and he's still just going to keep coming after you. And um, you better pack your lunch when you wrestle that guy. I mean, that's one of the phrases my dad would say. Like, it, you, there's no easy like, – you have to wrestle every minute, you know, every second. And it would be interesting to see if his pace uh, works with Parker. He's DeSanto's not great on the bottom yet. And so uh, it will be interesting to see how that plays out as well. But um, – those two matches are super intriguing, and then the Hamida stole match. Those are probably, you know, I don't see a lot of matches changing the rankings much. It might be a really light week. Like, you know, they might be done Sunday at 10 o'clock. You know, it just depends. But there's always some upsets. But, I mean, if there's a lot of change this week, there's going to be some crazy upsets based on the teams that are wrestling each other. You know, so if, if it kind of holds, those, those three or four matches we talked about will certainly be the highlights. Well, before we move on to the high school stuff, and we got we got plenty of stuff to talk about on the high school end with opening weekend this past season. Let's talk a little college football, David. Yeah. What was your take as a guy who handles rankings? What was your take on the Ohio State Alabama debate? Okay, so and and sometimes you say stuff and you're like I'm right, and sometimes you say stuff and like I'm pretty sure I'm right, and sometimes you're like this is just my opinion. I'm in the pretty sure I'm right camp on what I'm about to say. Let's throw out Ohio State's loss against Oklahoma. That's kind of like losing to Zane Rutherford at 149. Like, it doesn't hurt you. Everybody pretty much has lost to them except Iowa State. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's worse than losing to Zane Rutherford, but it doesn't really hurt you, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how you lose to Iowa by 31 and end up in the top four. And I want to root for Ohio State because they have wrestling and Alabama doesn't. You know, there's a thing. Like, everybody said Alabama's strength of schedule wasn't very good. Well, first of all, the SEC was way worse than it normally is. And second of all, who knew that Florida State was going to absolutely suck? They were like a preseason top five team when they played them. I think it was one versus five. So they played the schedule. I mean, yeah, they've scheduled Mercer and those kind of schools. The other thing that really befuddled me was how Auburn was automatically above Alabama when they beat them, when you could put him in one of those circle of logics where 
you know, Auburn beat Alabama, Alabama beat LSU, and LSU beat Auburn. And I heard one guy go, we just want the four teams that are playing the best at the end of the year. Well, that's not true. I mean, that's crazy. That's like, you know, I go 0 and 20, and then I win the Big Ten tournament. You know, I just catch fire and beat a bunch of guys that, I mean, if that happened and I was 0 and 20 and I win the Big Ten at really any weight, you know, whether there's a number one or number two guy ranked, they're not going to put me at number one or two. And conversely, when you lose and you were like Adam Kuhn, I believe, as a freshman, was undefeated going into the Big Tens and went 0-2. They still seeded him at Nationals. So it just felt like it was an overreaction. Um, and it's the one good thing that I, I think we all take out of this is, thank God guys like me aren't deciding who actually gets to win Nationals. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, if that was the case, I would quit this. Like I'm like I like doing it because it's it's fun and it's a conversation piece. But I I I pay a lot of attention and and you know this. You know I try really hard to get it right. But I would not want to ever impact a kid's ability to achieve his goal. You know I, I shouldn't be in that position. And you know I understand football can't have a gigantic bracket, but thank God wrestling's not like that. And this gold, silver, bronze level stuff has done a much better job of getting the right guys in. And I, I think that part's great. So, um, but I did watch it very uh, keenly. I was watching, you know, I was watching Saturday night. One of my friends was rooting for Miami, you know, and they got shellacked. And so, you know, it was, I find it interesting that uh, Clemson is the number one and they, they lost to Syracuse. that doesn't even have a winning record. I mean, I find that kind of crazy. Like that everybody just said, yeah, they're number one. Like, wow. Okay. It didn't necessarily make sense to me, but I'm, you know, I don't follow football like I do wrestling, so maybe there's some information I'm missing there. College football's goofy, man. It's really goofy. <laughs> I watched that Iowa, Iowa Ohio State game, and and you know, I grew up in Central Iowa, went to the University of Iowa, covered Iowa football for nine years, and 35 years of following that program, I've never been more befuddled than I was the day that they beat Ohio State by 31. I've never seen anything like that. There were so lights out. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I think it's probably like the fourth or fifth time in my lifetime that they beat Ohio State. You know, and they've – Iowa has had more than its share of success against Michigan and Penn State in the last 15 years, 15, 20 years, the Kirk Ferentz era. But uh, Ohio State has had their number, and Ohio State's had a lot of people's number. Yeah. But but uh, you you talk about the elite programs in the Big Ten, and Iowa certainly has had far less success against Ohio State than any other. And then they turn around a week later, and they have 66 yards of offense. They scored 56 points against Ohio State, and the following week they had 66 yards <laughs> against Wisconsin. So it's a really really goofy game. And I don't know, man. I've stopped trying to. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a gambler. Oh, I'm glad it's like I'm being not a coach. A Either one, when your future and your happiness relies on what 18 to 23 year olds are going to do. You know, when I was married, my wife was like, "Why are you so moody?" <laughs> it's like because my happiness is directly tied to what these kids do, and it drives you bonkers. So yeah, it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah. 
Well, David, you're heading down to Oklahoma this week. Perry Tournament of Champions going to be streamed live on Track Wrestling. We're excited about that. Very excited for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you got a chance to get down there this summer. I did. Um, I went down there, uh, got a chance to literally go to the town with uh, Chance, uh, Chance Leonard, and um, who was going in the Hall of Fame that weekend, the Oklahoma chapter, and uh, met with, with Ronnie Delk and Chad Lindsley, the coaches there, and, and, and made the deal there to, to cover the meet. Uh, it's literally Norman Rockwell, small town USA. Like 5,000 people, no Walmart, two stop signs. Um, you know, you walk in, and I walked into the place where, you know, like the diner, and everybody stopped and said hi to everybody. I'm like the only guy they didn't know there. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's the first time I've ever done, like, play-by-play. I'm going to do it with Chance and with Hardell Moore. So uh, I, I think I'm in good hands. I'm going to be an honorary Oklahoman for the weekend and uh, just really excited. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, we're looking forward to having that. We're also looking forward to having the Council Bluffs Classic on track wrestling. You can watch that Friday and Saturday. David, I don't know of any time that I've ever seen this in I hope it goes down, but I'm not sure it will yet. But uh, on paper, we could potentially have a Brody Teske Alex Thompson match. Yeah. And you're talking about three undefeated or two undefeated three timers in Iowa. Yeah. You know, 140 <laughs> plus wins for each of them without a loss. Uh, two Division One bound guys, Teske. Signed to Penn State. Thompson is headed to Nebraska. A couple guys that have been in the Fargo finals. Uh, that would be fascinating to see. Jace Colzer, uh, ranked number one in Kansas, also at that weight class, as well as Philip Mumy from Nebraska. So four wow. guys that are four guys that are ranked number one in their state. Testing and Thompson would be a lot of fun. I don't know that I've ever heard about two undefeated three-timers going heads up of you no i haven't because you know you mentioned that to me last night i was trying to think about it i haven't here's what's crazy when has there ever been two undefeated guys like that neither one are going to iowa iowa state or northern iowa yeah i don't think it's well for one there's never been two undefeated three undefeated four-timers in iowa in the same year there have been six in state history, six wrestlers in state history to finish their career undefeated. The closest it came to having two undefeated four-timers in the same year was Corey Clark and John Meeks in the 2012 class. Meeks went 168-0. Clark was undefeated up until late January of his senior season, about three weeks to go in the season. He got clipped on a last-second takedown by Jack Hathaway, uh, who's oh, wow. now at Oregon State to lose a two-to-one match uh, in the finals of the Ed Winger Classic in Urbandale, Iowa. Uh, and then Clark ended up beating Hathaway in the state quarterfinals. Three guys that were nationally ranked in that same weight class. Corey Clark came out, won his fourth state title, ended up finishing, I believe, 183 or 184 in one. So it's a rarity, man. It is. And, I mean, I think back, the closest guys I remember, like Danny Knight was at Iowa State when I went there, and I don't know if he won four or was undefeated, but I think he was a four-timer. And then Jeff Jeff McGinnis was around that time, but I think he was a few years later. So it's, uh, 
it's I, I hope that match happens and you know I hope you get to see it because I think that'd be I mean those are the superstars of tomorrow those guys are going to talk about in the rankings for the next four or five years depending on if they're registered or not you know so I watched Alex Thompson drill and kind of spar at Nebraska at World Team Trials and he's really really impressive and I know you've seen him and Teske a lot and Teske uh, his assistant coach. Uh, is a friend of mine named Tanner Utley, really nice guy, good coach, really good coach. And uh, he works out with Teske every day. And uh, he, he's super impressed by him, and he's worked out with a lot of good kids over the years. So that um, that's impressive. Yeah, I remember hearing about uh, Thompson when he was in eighth grade at the state AAU tournament. One of my, my really good friends, Jeff Evans, uh, an assistant coach at Southeast Polk High School, runs pretty much overseas the JV team there told me uh, about this kid from Western Iowa as an eighth grader uh, that was really impressive at the state AAU tournament. And uh, I got a chance to watch him for the first time, his first match at the state tournament. And I think he scored like five takedowns in the first 45 seconds of his first state tournament match and scored like four different ways in 45 seconds. Uh, Won that one pretty convincingly. Comes out in the state quarterfinals, faces one of the West twins uh, who – they were from uh, Highland of Riverside at the time, ended up finishing their career at Solon. They're at Northern Illinois now. Uh, and uh, I get I get both of the West wins mixed up, but uh, whichever one it was was undefeated at that point in his career. Alex came out, scored a takedown early in the match, and right away, like, uh, they, they went out of bounds, and they're back to the center, and he's going optional start. And I thought, holy smokes, this kid <laughs> – is confident in his skills on his feet, and uh, he's he's been a blast to watch because he's got so many ways that he can score points. And and with Teske, same thing. Pace is always high with him. These guys are a lot of fun to watch. So that's going to be a heck of a tournament. Yeah, uh, you know, I mentioned 126 pounds heavyweight. You got four number ones there, and including the king of the jungle in high school, Gable Stevenson. Pound for pound, number one, headed to Minnesota, three-time world champ. Always fun to get a chance to watch him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and you know, high school's, I, I, the guys are so much better, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like watching, like, you know, I mean, like, Yanni was wrestling in high school last year. I mean, we can go through all these guys, you know, but guys like that, they just won the tournament. Taylor Lamont, you know, like those kind of guys, you know what I mean? It doesn't. You don't have to be a senior anymore to be good. I mean, I know that's an obvious statement, but I think when you work backwards and go, okay, these are dudes that could, you know, it's. It, they talk about that in other sports. Like this guy last year was going to his prom, and now he's playing quarterback in the national semifinals. Well, wrestling happens like that too. You know, it's and it's awfully. You know, you're going to see. You know, anytime you get to watch these great kids, like, you know, CBC was up in your neck of the woods this past weekend at that independence tournament, and. You know, they did well, you know, but Fort Dodge did really well. But they just, they go looking for that competition. And there were so many good matchups there, you know, in the semis and finals those guys were telling me about. It's cool to see these coaches and these kids really seek out competition instead of avoid it. Absolutely. That's the overall impressive thing. Yeah, for sure. Yep. As you mentioned, the invitation into 
Independence Invitational. Try saying Cliff Keen Independence Invitational ten times fast. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I, I was messing it up on camera and having to retake on interviews time and time it's again. The CKII. But, uh, That's you got to do. CKII. But uh, that tournament has really come a long way in a short amount of time. Four years ago, uh, I think about three, four years ago is when it got its start, and now you're seeing. Uh, I think there were about a dozen Division One kids in that tournament. You had two matchups in the finals that were nationally ranked guys going heads up. Michael Blockus of New Hampton here in Iowa took down Josh Saunders of Christian Brothers College, both nationally ranked, uh, in the finals at 145. Yeah. And then uh, – And Josh is wrestling up like at least one yep. way and probably two. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Vincent Zerbin guy that you've had a chance to watch a little bit, a freshman uh, from CBC who uh, beat Caleb Rathjen of Ankeny. Guys that are both ranked in the top 20 in the freshman class, class of 2021. They're both top 20 overall prospects. 6-5 match, heck of a, a match there. Vinny's a really impressive kid. Um, he is really low key, at least like very yes, sir, no, sir, works his fanny off, does whatever those coaches tell him to do. And uh, he he's just a tough kid. Like, he, you know, it doesn't matter who he's wrestling with. Like, you know, they could put him against DJ Shannon, and he, he ain't going to complain. And, you know, for guys that don't know, DJ's just won that way to 180 or won that tournament at 182. So, I mean, th- I think that's – a lot. I think that's what impresses me as much as anything about these kids. Their skill level is really impressive, but the really good guys, they just don't care. They're like, let's just wrestle. And I, I think there there were always some guys like that. I just think there's more and more guys like that, or maybe I'm just getting lucky enough to be around high concentration of that. So, um, but yeah, like I, I like the Thompson Teske matchup and those kind of guys. I hope that happens. I saw some quotes from each of them. I just hope it happens. I think it's great for wrestling. All these kind of things are great for wrestling, and um, we'll probably be able to announce something in the next week or two that we're working on here in Missouri that will be a lot like that as well. Anything else this week, David? No, sir. I'm hoping for not very many upsets this weekend. Make the rankings a little easier on me. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to Oklahoma. I, I fly out Thursday. I'm very excited. Safe travels on your way down there. Enjoy the tournament. Uh, I, I don't think there'll be birds like Poland, but I'll let you know if there are. Sounds good. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. For David Mirkatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. Thank you for joining us this week, and we will be back next week.